Hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I'm your other host, Daniel Colborn. And today's episode is brought to you by Honey Badger and... And Rogue, Rogue Amoeba. Thank you to our sponsors for sponsoring the show. Back to the show, starting the show. Decal. Welcome to the show. I am dead inside this morning. That's a shame. I am working on a really hard Dom Diffing algorithm issue problem. That would kill anyone inside. And now we're recording this podcast, and I came on to this little call with my friend Decol here and was like, Decol, I don't want to talk about anything. I, I need something interesting to talk about. And we're both kind of feeling this yes. way. Like, we need, like, what's something we could talk about that will, is really engaging? Because we're both having, both of our lives right now are technology problems that most people are not dealing with and if you are they're like it i don't know they're insanely boring, boring and, and pedantic and yeah, yeah they're not fun to talk about so so decal i yeah. think we should talk about how much money we make <laughs> i think we should also talk about how much money we make um so here's the question do we start with how much money we make now or do we tell the story of our programming careers and account for all the dollars we've made from the beginning. We should start with exact. We should answer the question in like one sentence, and then uh-huh. backfill, like then do right, the story. I, but we should start with like, I don't know, like a number or a sentence. Like, Dico, how much money do you make? <laughs> um, I think, I think I make ninety-eight thousand dollars a year plus or minus a thousand dollars plus or minus bonuses <laughs> plus or minus any random contract work i might do nice so right around six figures flat sweet that's cool how much money do you make <laughs> mister who knows how much money you make um i make i i don't, I don't have a salary number I made right. like 90 something when I quit Titan or like 89 or something like that. Around 90, I think. I think. I'd have to think about that. I kind of forget. Maybe 82? 85? Let's say 85. That's impossible. That's, Im- that's impossible. That's impossible? Yeah, right? Because d- with those percentage raises, you should have gotten way up above that, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Let's say I don't know. 80. Let's say 88 is what I made when I left Titan. Right. And then I went to zero. <laughs> right, zero dollars. Bounced along that bottom floor for nine months. So mm-hmm. I can tell you my monthly. I'll tell you how much money is in the bank is in my freelancing bank account. Mm-hmm. Seventeen thousand dollars, and I don't think I've taken much out of it. Maybe like a couple grand. So that's pretty much all the money I've made like this year. There you go. Pretty freaking low. But yeah. I'm actually going to do like a real freelancing contract. That can't be right because I've done a lot more. I don't know. I make like three grand a month by default. Like these are the recurring uh, engagements I have. Mm-hmm. But Does that include podcast? No. Which would yeah, be I didn't an extra. Yeah, podcast in mine either. Uh, 400. 400 a month. a month. So yeah. Let's say 3,400 a month is what I make. Yeah for as my baseline by default um with assuming that these sponsors keep giving us money right (laughs) and uh so what i make on top of that sorry i'm gonna answer this succinctly um freelancing work on top of that i'm actually like about to take an actual freelancing gig like a real one where you actually program Uh uh-huh what are your rates gonna be 150 that's just my rate i don't know I'm not what uh what kind of hours are you gonna be working for them? Low. Like low. Less than half time. Cool. But that should bag me an extra like between three, five grand a month. Yeah. Um, depending on how that goes. So uh anyway. Paying the bills. Yep, paying the bills. That's how much I make. <laughs> cool. I think the more interesting story is how much did you make? And what has the progression of your making money been? Agreed. Uh, because I've a bunch of people are uh, trying to become programmers. I don't know if you've heard about this phenomenon. Um, and like my buddy Ian is one of them. And uh, he's like learning all the things right now. 
Mm-hmm. And he he's like, you know, everyone always wants to know like, oh, well, how much do I need to know to have a job right. or whatever? Yep. But like the real question they want to know is like, to have one of those programmer salaries I've heard about, how much do I need to know? Yeah. How much do I need to do? How much experience do I need? Blah, 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 blah. So I think our experiences are different enough, um, but it'd be an interesting story to tell. So what was your first programming money that you acquired? It was writing websites, uh, static websites in HTML and CSS on my own, just finding like friends and family. And Mm -hmm. the first site I made was for a horse club, like a horseback riding club. And I built it. I designed it. I met with them, multiple meetings, whole thing, built the site and charged them $200. So that was that. But so it was basically like piddlance, like freelance work while Uh I was learning programming in high school and college. Um, I'll say the first, yeah, the first job. So I started, I was working, building like a, a web store at a, company like i got hired to just like manage a web store and i ended up working on like the code of it so i was actually like shipping stuff out all day and like sorting inventory in a warehouse and that ended up turning into me being like hey i can program and i can build you guys this system for another part of the company i did a bunch of design work and whatever so i got a flat rate of like 18 dollars an hour and by the end of it i was full-time laravel programming like working on a laravel app full-time this is laravel 4.0 um hype $18 an hour. I felt like the shiz. Then I hopped over to my first full-time job, which the started starting salary was 60,000. So that that's, that's my first chunk. What's your first chunk? My first chunk. So yeah, my first like, uh, money at all was yes. My friend's parents needed a WordPress site made and I made it for them. And I think I got, a hundred dollars or 10,000 yen technically. Nice. Um, and it was like in an envelope. They were like, it was, you know, they did the classic thing where like, they didn't agree to pay me any amount. They just kind of like, were like my parents kind of volunteer volunteered me to make their website. So I started doing it. And then the hundred dollars was like a, it was like a thank you gift. Yeah. Um, but you know, hourly, I think I made like $2 an hour on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, so I did that. I did a bunch of that type of stuff. Uh, when I got out of college, my buddy started a um, started a video production company in Chattanooga, uh, Fancy Rhino. And I made. I know your friend. First... I met him. I met him at the wedding. No, not these. You might know some of different video you might know guy? His brother. Different this guy did, owned guy. like a video thing and was like a video editor and stuff. Oh, oh, I know who you're thinking of, but no, not that guy. Okay. Um, I know a lot of video people, turns out. Yes, so. Um, so anyway, uh, I made their first website and that I charged them. I tried to charge them like $700 and I thought I was like reaching, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, $700, but like that that's rent plus you know and uh they basically were like they gave me a literal actual blank check and said seven hundred dollars is not enough money Mm. (laughs) write down the real amount on this check we know you're we're we're your friends and i literally had no idea what to do and so i was like well seven hundred that was based on like twenty dollars an hour or whatever you know so then i ended up bumping it to like $40 $40 an hour, which seemed insane at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I took home like 1500 bucks or something. Yeah, that's a that's a big win. Uh, yeah. And Windfall. then, uh, yeah, huge. I ended up um, going and working for that guy's dad in Baltimore who owned a video production company that was trying to turn into a full-service agency. Um, and they wanted to start a web department. And their whole thing was, we need to find a guy who like really likes web stuff but doesn't have a web job and therefore doesn't expect web money mm-hmm. so that we can experiment with the idea of whether or not we can have a web department at this marketing company um and along comes daniel working in restaurants selling 
selling calamari. Um, and they're like, ooh, you're poor. Uh, we'll give you, you know, more money than you're making now. And it was great. So that job, I think I started at 30. Okay. Um, which I was making 12 an hour in the restaurant. So it worked out. Um, and uh, I started at 30K. And then I did a bunch of like stuff that I'm not super proud of, like going and getting, I mean, stuff I kind of recommend and kind of don't recommend. Um, like going and getting other offers and then like threatening to quit unless I got a raise Hmm. and doing this whole thing. Um, so I rapidly escalated my salary there. So I went from 30 to 45 within a couple months. And then, uh, there was an offer that came in that was at 60, uh, so then I floated that to the other place. They offered to bring me up to 60. Then I floated that to the other guy and then he brought it up to 75 and then I left for 75. Um, so it was like this whole kind of playing both ends against the middle thing, which, uh, I don't, I don't feel great about the way I treated the people who sort of took a flyer on me, giving me my first job. Mm. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I did it. And at this point, you know, it set the baseline for my salary that allowed me to build on that going forward. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was a little bit skeezy. I was strong-arming people, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I left that that job. I, I, had, I got 75 through a series of I-need-a-raise conversations or and, like, Hey, I have the perfect person to bring in for this job, but if I'm going to do that, then, you know, I need to feel comfortable that I'm going to be here for a while and I need to be making more money. Those types of conversations. I went at that job from 75 to 84 over the course of a couple maybe a year and a half or 2 years. Mm-hmm. Um and then when I came to Titan, I told them I made 84 and I wanted to make 92 and they gave me 88. So I took it. Uh, That's even higher than you told me. At least I it? thought. I think that's what I made. Wow. Um. So yeah, I came into Titan making 88, I think. And then percentage raises, etc. I've never gotten the big percentage raise. It's. I've always wondered what I would have to do. But I've never done it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, I I got all the uh, the little percentage raises, stacked them up, and then now I make what I make here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's programming money. Solid. I'll, I'll fill in the gaps. I I got a that first full time programming job. I started contracting for them for like thirty five an hour, I think. Yeah. Um, and then I. And then insert, you know, a hundred other freelance contracts from when I started to that point where I was like, was charging $25 an hour and stupid stuff like that. Um, And then, so I was $35 an hour, which I thought was decent. And then they wanted to hire me full time. My interview with them to actually start contracting was he handed me this like mock-up in Bootstrap and was like, Mm -hmm. make this uh make a database with this stuff in the database and then make this page that spits it all out and whatever i think it was just a screenshot and so i mean i sat down and i just like i knew code igniter really well better than i knew laravel and i just like got a code igniter app running little database put some data on a thing bootstrapped it out and he and this was like something that they actually needed to do for their company (laughs) and i just like did it because I mean, this is this is not me being like I'm a genius savant. It's like these guys just the standard of programming yeah, was yeah. pretty they low. Didn't know what they, yeah. <laughs> so I built it like right there, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, you're hired." Yeah. So yeah, yeah. well, he actually took me out to a baseball game when he offered me like a real salary. Before then, it was just contracting, and it was sixty uh-huh. grand. And then at one point, they made me a senior developer, um, the senior developer, quote unquote, and I ended up making seventy. And then when I moved to Titan, I still made 70 because I was an idiot and wanted to work at Titan so bad. I was just like, I just want to make what I make and they're not going to like hand me free money. 
so I was making 70 and then I talked to you and you're like, yeah, dude, I yeah. started at 85 and I'm like, you're joking. <laughs> so I had a meeting with Dan and Matt big, uh, I, I made a spreadsheet or I made a, like a slide deck and everything. And, uh, did you really make a slide deck? Oh yeah. Almost every review that we've had, I would have like this big presentation. It's like, no way. Yeah. They would laugh. They couldn't stop laughing. Cause they're like, nobody does this. <laughs> <laughs> And I, so I listed all the reasons I deserve 85 and they gave me 82 and a half, I think. Um, uh-huh. and then it was a couple, three percents up from there and, you know, that's funny. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then, and now, yeah, I just, and when I was leaving, I talked to Dan about freelancing. My goal when I was leaving was like, I'm going to do two months of sabbatical and then I'm going to go hard into freelancing, which is funny yep. because I'm still on sabbatical. <laughs> it's nine months later. Yeah. But uh, You're freelancing some, yeah, a tiny bit. I you could I don't even feel right calling it that. Soon maybe I'll be doing real freelancing work. But, yeah. um, but I you know I basically decided we talked about rates and he's like you could you know one thirty five would be like what I would think you would easily get jobs from. You could probably go up to two hundred, but that would be on the high end. And you know and I was basically like I'm just gonna settle on one fifty. Like that's just going to be my number, and I'm not even going to think nice about it. It's a round number. Yeah, it's easy. It's a round number, and it's funny because it's always, uh, you know, it's all relative. Like now, 150 to me is like average to low in my brain. I'm like, you know, and it's not low. But you think about an agency like Titan, and they they charge more than that, and Rails agents yep. they charge a lot more than that. So I'm yep. like, psh, I'm a pretty good developer. Like if you're hiring me for Laravel stuff, I'm really valuable and. And if you're going to hire an agency anyway, that gets people that are at least or at, I'll say at most my level of like, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not like, uh, anyway. So I, I now feel now I'm just used to it. Like, you know, you raise the bar, people are willing to pay you that, then you get used to it. And mm-hmm. so the next jump maybe would be like 200 or something. And I'll think, oh, that's a lot of money. And then at that point, and you just keep climbing that, yeah, that ladder, um, but yeah, so that's, that's that, that's how much we make. There's one other thing I wanted to touch on. Oh, really quick. Like for other people, cause you mentioned your friend. I, I get that question a lot and there's a lot of people in my life who are looking to like make career switches. And, um, a friend of mine, he, he wanted to make a career switch. He was a pastor and he was making not much money and working a lot. Mm. And he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. And he met up with me at a coffee shop and said, what do you do? And I'm like, all right, well, I do video. At the time I had that video business. I'm like, I do wedding videography. I do graphic design and I do programming. I like programming the most and there's the most money in it. And he's like, all right, well, sold. So he came over my house once a week and I taught him how to program uh, for about a year. And he ended up getting a job using Salesforce. Um like a Salesforce job that he, you know, uh-huh. like he didn't even, we, I was teaching him like PHP and Laravel yeah. and he ended up in one year, I think maybe in one year's time, maybe a little bit more. He went from zero to like 60 or $65,000 salary at a Salesforce agency. Yeah. Knowing almost Dude, my, nothing about Salesforce. It's great. My uh, ultimate success story. I think Salesforce is like that though, man. Like I, no yeah. one learns Salesforce ahead of time to go get a Salesforce job. Right. Like there, when they, when you hire someone for a Salesforce job, I feel like your assumption is like no one wants to be doing this, but they're doing it for the money. Yep. So we have to build in three months of them learning and Salesforce. There's one, yeah. The and that, they hire so yeah. many his his uh his friend. They he he was a football coach, and he got a job like a year after he was like i don't want to be a football coach anymore because you don't you know you work insane hours i have to live in crazy places and i make like no money so he was a college football coach too and he switched to programming and i think one year's time working at the same salesforce agency probably making 65 starting and then they both got like raises pretty quick dope my uh my ultimate success story was my buddy joe who uh he was a photographer did wedding photography, uh, had like a pretty decent Instagram, like, but you know, at the end of the, and I think he worked in admissions at the college that we went to, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that move where it's like, I'm going to graduate and then take a job at the school yeah. that I just graduated from. And like, he had a wife and kid 
or maybe a wife and a kid on the way. And it was like, he was starting to like look at the world in that way where it was like, I got to make a move here. Yeah. Like I got to gotta up the earning capacity or whatever. And so he hit me up and was like, how do I be a programmer? Like I got like, you know, a couple of months till this baby happens. Like got to start making money. Um, and I was like, well, uh, JavaScript is huge. Uh, a lot of people hiring in JavaScript right now. So learn JavaScript, do the West Boss stuff, do the West Boss React courses, mm-hmm. and then uh, make a bunch of open source stuff on your GitHub in React. It doesn't need to be good. It just needs to be like a bunch of stuff. Good is better, obviously. Um, <laughs> and so that's what he did. And he learned React, and he learned that stuff fast, like really fast. Like he just put in the hours. He was probably doing four hours a day or something, you know, mm-hmm. and was just sucking up JavaScript and React knowledge. And then, like within a shockingly short amount of time, like six months or something, from not knowing how to program, he got a job offer in New York uh, for this React company, and they moved to New York for a couple of months. Uh, and I think he got an offer at 72 for his first, but it's New York money. So who knows right. what the fuck that really works out to. But he got an offer at 72 and he bounced it until he was able to get a programming job that was remote. And then he moved back to Chattanooga where everything's very cheap. Uh, and now he's in Chattanooga doing whatever he's doing, hmm. you know. But uh, yeah, so my buddy Ian is uh, taking... I feel like he's taking a different approach. I want him to learn Laravel. I think learning Laravel is the right move for him um, because it just ties everything together, you know? Because, like, he's learned enough JavaScript to be dangerous now. He knows how to write code. He knows how to, like, concatenate strings and map arrays and do all kinds of other things, you know, and store variables and write loops so he knows some code, and uh, he knows some HTML and CSS. He gets that you like execute JavaScript on a web page. He learned CSS Grid because I told him to, and you disagree. You think you should have learned Flexbox. Um, yeah, I don't even know CSS Grid. Well, maybe that's why you disagree. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he's he's like floating right around the edge of being able to be useful. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. he's like almost to the point where all of these skills could come together to be useful the one thing he doesn't get is like what like he's still writing html he's not he doesn't have anything in the back end generating his html yeah right and so eventually in the life of any good programmer you realize that most html is generated not written um I mean, it's written in small chunks and then Mm -hmm. assembled, right? Yeah. But, and then you realize that you need to assemble HTML to accomplish your goals. Yeah. Um, And then one of two things happens. Either you go down the dark CMS road. Yeah. And you become like a WordPress or Drupal developer, even worse. um, And you just become like (laughs) CMS, CMS guy, you know? Yeah. And you just... You learn all the intricacies. You can spend a career learning all the ups and downs and ins and outs of the CMS world. For sure. And it's dark. Or the thing that I didn't do, which I wish someone had just grabbed me and been like, it's not that hard. You should just learn Laravel. It's not very hard. It's actually pretty okay. Like, it's easier than learning how to write plugins for WordPress. Um. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. Half of that was like, like robot Daniel whisper in and out. You said Laravel's not that hard. And then what did you say? It's not that hard. It's easier than making plugins for WordPress. Oh. It's easier than all the other nonsense that you're going to do trying to avoid learning Laravel. Hmm. Um, and like he's also kind of going down this road of like, oh, should I learn Mongo? Should I learn node and mongo and express and like what's the what's the right database Mm -hmm. for me and i'm like you're asking those are all interesting questions but like build something full stack anything yeah you know right 
And then you'll have a frame of reference for the questions that you're asking. Because if I answer the questions now, I don't know what you're going to hear in my answers. Hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like I might tell you, like if you say like, is Mongo a good database? I'm like, well, I mean, it's kind of less popular. It's pretty resource intensive and it's weird, you know? So like, does that mean it's not a good database? No, it's great for some people, for some things. It's very cool. Um, But does that mean that like your goal here is to like make a career change? Do I think that the first thing that you should do is like learn front-end JavaScript, vanilla JS, and then learn Mongo? Probably not. Right. You know, like I don't think that's a path to success. So what are you saying? You're saying that your advice to him is? I think my advice right now is learn Laravel. Build a Dungeons & Dragons character creation app because he's he was my dungeon master when we played Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. And he's real into D&D. So it's like, okay. Build an app that lets you roll a new character in D&D, right? And there's so many fun little relationships and stuff that you'll get to create and you'll learn how relationships and databases work and there'll be object-oriented PHP involved. Yeah. And you'll get to learn about classes and all this stuff and you'll get to learn Blade and how you generate templates. You know, and I think that's the missing piece that he doesn't know yet. And so when he says, like, he'll say things to me like, I just don't get why I would need a database. Oh, you know? yeah. And I'm like, yeah, those you know are good questions. And, and it's that's like, good that he knows to ask that. Yeah. No, he's very smart. He's a smart fellow. Uh, you want to talk about sponsors? Yeah, let's talk about some sponsors. Let's talk about Honey Badger talk first. Talk about some sponsors. All right, let's do it. Honey Badger, thank you so much, Honey Badger, for sponsoring the show. Mm. Honey Badger is an error monitoring platform. It sure is. If you don't have an error monitoring platform for your app, you need to walk right into your boss's office, open the door without knocking, and yell, we need to install Honey Badger. Put it on the sprint, put it on the backlog, talk about it in the backlog grooming, and prioritize it. Prioritize it. Exactly. Write the user story. Assign yourself and everybody else to this user story uh-huh. and spike on it that we must install Honey Badger because... You should swarm. You, sh- you swarm, exactly. <laughs> yep, swarm on it, do some planning poker, and uh, and then go and install Honey Badger. And then to your chagrin, um, you will it will take you one minute to install it. And then you'll have... Which will be embarrassing because you will have judged it to be an eight-story point exactly so Issue. to save face so. and to not devalue the points you <laughs> can just sit in your office and twiddle your thumbs until the sprint's over and you come to the retro and you show them what you've done and you get applause and you shipped it on time and everybody rewards you for your hard work your scrum master uh holds you up in a chair above his head all <laughs> thanks to honey badger uh, Honey Badger and Air Monitor. Now you go to Honey Badger and you link Honey Badger up with your Jira tickets so that when a new error occurs, a new ticket's created. What? So now, next time, instead of twiddling your thumbs, you can work on actual issues that users are experiencing in your app. Wow. I know. So, wow. um, Honey Badger is legit for an error monitoring solution. It'll let you know about all the errors that users encounter in your app, where they came from, what happened when the error encountered, all the stuff about them, their email address, their IDs. You can hook it up with a bunch of third-party apps like Jira if you're using Jira. Sorry if you're using Jira, but if you are, you can use it. And it's a great company. It's like three guys, three really cool guys, and they're totally legit, and the customer support is killer, and their blog is cool. And uh, it's a Rails app, so we have a lot in common with uh, with them. They're our friends over over the fence in the Rails world. So um, Honey Badger is what's up, and it's really, 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 really friendly with Laravel. So go use it, and uh, sweet. And that's that. Thank you, Honey Badger. Awesome. Um, let's talk about our other sponsor, Rogue Amoeba. Rogue Amoeba. Rogue Amoeba. Um, Caleb, you want to hear about Rogue Amoeba? Please tell me about Rogue Amoeba. Rogue Amoeba so far, are you've, been of... t- you've been covering Rogue Amoeba apps, and both of them I didn't know anything about, and you got to tell me about them. Yes. But this one. So that's what we're doing. This one you've heard of. Um, so what, we, what, what Rogue Amoeba does is they make 
wonderful, high quality, like some of the best quality apps for the Mac. They also make a couple of Windows apps. Um, this one, Audio Hijack, is probably their flagship app. If you've ever heard of a Rogue Amoeba app, it will be Audio Hijack. Um, it's incredible. Uh, I don't know how to explain it other than it is incredible. So let me explain what Audio Hijack is. Audio Hijack allows you to do all sorts of things with sound on your Mac. So you can take any input device on your Mac or any output sound, like system audio. You can capture audio from a specific application. You can take inputs from all over your computer and then just pipe them through these chains that you create in Audio Hijack to do all sorts of things. Right now, as I speak to you, I am recording into Audio Hijack, and here's my chain. I have my input device, which is my microphone, going into something. My microphone weirdly only records in the left channel, which has annoyed Caleb for a long time. Um, Every episode. I have a new channel, which takes my one-sided audio and splits it out into stereo so that Caleb doesn't have to worry about it. Then I have a little peak monitor so that when I talk, I'm not clipping and uh and i can be you know watching my volume as i'm speaking then that goes right into a recorder which saves out to a 256 kilobit mp3 audio hijack records audio hijack records that's what i'm doing right now you don't use quicktime no no i'm not using quicktime i'm using audio hijack very nice yeah and in addition to that any um any what do they call them? VST plugins? Yep. Any VST plugin can be an Audio Hijack module. So you could use Autotune in your... I could use Autotune in my chain. I, I have all of the... That's uh, awesome. All, you can do ducking. So like if you want to like talk over a movie or something. Like if you wanted to do like MS3T... Dubbing? MS, ducking. So ducking is where, like, if I'm talking, it will lower the volume of the other thing. So we could watch a movie and it could be at full volume, but anytime I talk, it would lower the volume of the movie so that you would hear me over the movie. Oh, that's pretty cool. So you can do that. You can do time shifting. Uh, I have the uh, isotope plugins that I have used in the past to, like, repair really damaged audio. You can just stick them in line if you want to. You could add distortion or anything. You can do insane stuff with Audio Hijack. Or you can do the really simple stuff, right? So that is what I'm doing. So I use Audio Hijack for all of my recordings. It's a beautiful app. It's very, like, it's just rock solid. Like, I have no question whether or not this recording is going to get saved. If my computer shuts down in the middle of this recording, I know it's not going anywhere. You know, it's it's just a good situation. And everybody uses here. this, right? Like, most people who record stuff use Audio Hijack. Like yeah. Most, like, and then power user have... type people, like... Adam, Matt, those folks probably use Audio Hijack. I don't know what Matt uses. I I think Adam does. Um, And if you have to do something crazy, like record someone's Skype audio and two microphones, you can set that up in Audio Hijack. Like Mm. any weird arrangement of sound sources, you can do it. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's very cool. So if like a hot new Backstreet Boys song comes out and it's only on YouTube... You could like pipe yes. your browser sound as the input and then record it to an MP3 or something and then put it on like a burn it to an MP3 CD so you can put it in your MP3 CD player. Assuming that that hot new Backstreet Boys was in the Creative Commons license, you could do that. Oh, yeah. Caleb? I mean, for sure. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the Creative Commons share alike license. Copy left. Copy left. <laughs> Thank you to Rogue Amoeba for, number one, creating this wonderful piece of software that I would be using even if they didn't pay me to talk about it. And number two, paying me to talk about it. Back to the show. Um, D. Cole, I used to feel a little weird about recommending new developers learn Laravel because it's overwhelmingly like Node, you know? Like if you know Mm -hmm. JavaScript, if you're like a TypeScript, React express even whatever or happy js or whatever if you know like node and stuff you Mm -hmm. you have the best shot of getting a job of anyone in tech right now right would you say i well that's my my soft like off the cuff feeling 
if you know yeah if you know javascript well i would say like react node those are the two big things that you'll definitely get jobs in and then the other one is like the all the big data stuff which i don't understand yeah about. for sure yep like a TensorFlow and all that other yep. stuff yeah yeah I th- if you know that stuff you're golden agreed right those are all ticket. the hot things so it's like if somebody came to me I used to be tempted to recommend those things like, well, but I'm here in Laravel because I'm too deep into it. I started with code igniter. Like this is where we are. I'm not, you know, I'm, it's like uh, part of the crew, part of the ship. <laughs> yeah, the you're the, crew, you're the oldest, the youngest man on the internet or the youngest, oldest man. <laughs> youngest, oldest man. Internet. Yeah. Right. Um, so I just, you know, I tell my son, um, what's his name? Orlando Bloom plays turn <laughs> Tim, Timothy Turner. I don't know his name. That's not from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Will Orlando Turner. Bloom? Okay, Will Turner. And Bootstrap Bill tells his son. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know what he tells him, but hey, he doesn't want this life for him. So that's sort of mm-hmm. me saying that to the, the other developer. But I've changed my position. Laravel is the bee's knees. It is totally yeah. the bee's knees. The community is phenomenal. The tech is phenomenal. It is actually like way ahead of other communities. And it's yeah. it's not like this lagging behind old community. It's this beautiful like community that's still on the up and up. Like it's not stagnant and it's not going down. It's only going up. It's I, yeah. I scroll around like Twitter uh, or sorry, GitHub's uh, trending repositories and stuff from time to time just to like take a peek. Laravel is always mm-hmm. in it. Like I don't see any yeah. other framework in it. Laravel is always in it. It's popping off. Dude. It's popping off. Like Laravel is growing. The community is getting bigger. The ecosystem is getting better. The code is getting better. Well, it's and just it's being like used more widely. And it's got. It's sort of filling the role that Rails used to fill, which is that like every. It feels like every startup is building a Laravel app. Like not like I don't feel that not way. Like, not like mid-stage startups. I'm talking about every two guys in a basement startup. Mm-hmm. To me, like everyone I run into is work, building Laravel. Interesting. Like here in Asheville, like I ran into a guy at a Halloween party who was dressed as a lion, and he's building like a podcasting startup where like they're trying to make a microphone, but there's also some web software for podcast publishing it it's early stage it seems like they're trying to do too many things but anyway the guy is making a laravel app and he's got a developer who he pays and his whole website is a laravel app and i'm like oh cool i do laravel apps like you know and it's like i just run into people in the real world like at the airport you know if i'm writing code and the guy next to me on the plane is like oh what kind of code do you write i'm like laravel he's like oh me and my friend are starting a company and you know it's a Laravel app. It's like it's just in the world. I run into it. That's great. It's not my experience. Not like not on dev Twitter though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm more you know? dev I'm Twitter it feels surprised. like is React. For sure. Um Yeah. I don't know. I mean it's I I'm hearing about it more and more for sure. I mean it's just it's never been more, like anything but more and more for yeah. the time I've, you know, I've used it. So um, but it's I've noticed the transition of some famous JavaScript people. I mean, not just West Boss, but famous JavaScript people becoming more and more a part of our Laravel scene on Twitter. You know? Yeah, like Where, who? Like um West Boss. We have Justin and Jackson then, uh, and West Boss. Those are yeah. the visitors. But I feel like they're I've seen just more like I've gotten more follows recently from people who are like JavaScript people who I've heard of or JavaScript people who I've followed for a while. And, or I've seen like more like JavaScript people where when I'm going to follow someone, I'm seeing, Oh, these people follow like Adam and Matt and Taylor. So it's like, Oh, they're paying attention, you know? Hmm. So I, I just get the sense more and more that like we're, we're emerging from the shadows and starting to be seen in the, public eye which how could you not with all of the github nonsense going on yeah but yeah yeah it's i'm optimistic i'm definitely optimistic myself as well i think feel like laravel might go to the big kids table soon 
I hope it does. And I think uh, I think it's has just as good of a shot or better a better shot than it ever has had, and it will only continue to be more. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen the world now in a little bit more in terms of Twitter followers. Like, well, mm-hmm. using Twitter followers as a metric for how big a community is and what the potential mm-hmm. is like, you know? Um, and like, I feel like I'm, I'm peaking, like I'm still growing, but I'm mm-hmm. peaking in terms of Laravel followerhood, you know, like at mm-hmm. 8,500, uh, followers, it's, it's not like, I don't know if there are 30,000 Laravel developers, like Adam has 40,000 followers now. And, but he had 15,000 before Tailwind. Was it 15? Yeah. Really? I think so. That seems low, but maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but it was, exactly. So it was at least like 12. I can't it's like maybe like 20 is the highest you can go in Laravel without either being the king or pulling from a different community. You right. know, like that's when you start to mm-hmm. like that's what Adam did. That's this that's mm-hmm. like Adam hit he got a the ceiling. CSS people. He broke through the the Laravel ceiling making a CSS framework and making a view uh course. You know, those were the two mm-hmm. things that like put him beyond that. Um, but even I bet if you look at the, I wonder how many followers Evan Yu has versus Taylor. I'm guessing Evan has forty thousand. You think so? Yeah, I guess he's not like. I'm guessing though. Look it up. All right, Evan Yu is ninety k. Yeah, I thought I figured wow. something close to hundred or over a hundred. Whoa. And Taylor, I'm guessing is sixty. Like Fifty-seven. He's seventy-seven. 77 so here's taylor otwell who you know writes laravel that's been a thing for a long long time and evan Yu, who you know like views only become like a really big thing in the past five years four years Mm -hmm. um and he surpassed him you know so it's just the size of the pool is bigger in javascript in front-end development in general is that it it's bigger in front-end because front-end's not a segmented well, I think yeah, I think every backend framework community uses React or Vue or Angular or something like that, right? Like, yeah, you can be a Rails person and write React. You can be a Laravel person and write React. You can be a Phoenix person and write React. So you're, you know, while while those three people probably follow three different sets of backend people, they all follow, you know, Dan Abramoff. Right, like I followed Dan. Yeah, exactly. Right, like, and any, even if you're a siloed front end developer, it's still JavaScript. Yeah. So like, you either had an Angular job and then you switched to React, or you know right. about it a lot. Um, and there's still lessons to be learned from other components. And I mean, that's you could say the same thing for Rails though, but you can't read Ruby as easily if you're a PHP, or right. you can't read PHP if you're a Ruby developer. You, you're not. I mean, you could. You're not tangoing. But. It's not like like to a to a view developer and a react developer they see like polymer some like web component thing and they're like oh really interesting mm-hmm. and i could use it in my react app there's not it's not like laravel developers are like oh there's this new re, this new rails thing that i can mm-hmm. use and you know no yeah it's not and the rails folks aren't excited about livewire they're not unfortunately unfortunately and like c sharp like all that stuff like a, like mm-hmm. no way dot net what's up mm-hmm. with that that's another foreign it's another continent. Yeah. Yeah. So there is just a limit to being like a hardcore backend guy. There's like a hard cap that I've sort of had to come to terms with. Like if I'm, if we're talking like strategy wise, you say come to terms with it. You're saying you kind of had to embrace it. Yeah. Like for me, I have to, like, I do think about that from time to time. I'm like, okay, I'm putting my eggs in a basket that has a limited, that has a ceiling and a limited pool. And mm-hmm. you know, if I was, if I thought like strategy wise, and if my goal was like world domination, I I should start mm-hmm. focusing on basically on front end or stuff outside, like go the like teach front end stuff route um, or convert to, I don't know, like some sort of JavaScript developer. But but anyway, yeah. I, I remind well, myself that, well, one, I'm ultimately you're, you're embrace the back end guy. Yeah, I haven't really set myself up for success in that realm. <laughs> um but but if you came out and said i'm actually wrong i did on stage 
No, but it was a bit. You were doing a bit. Well, they named the the talk "Embrace the Front End." I saw and that. Did not, like, oh my god! Watch the talk enough to know that it was a joke. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't get the bit, which I think is great. That's hilarious. I think that's amazing. I was already. I'm like, okay, this is like the seminal live wire talk. Like, so many people have been asking me about it. It comes out. It's called "Embrace the Front End." No one will know anything that has anything to do with live wire. And still, when you share it on Twitter, Twitter like thinks it's "Embrace the Front End." It's so dumb. Even though the it's title's so changed. Amazing. That is funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, so to uh, Cole. So, how much do you want to make? How much do I want? Yeah, how to much make? are you gonna make? Like, how much am I gonna? Are you make? trying to make more money? Wanna... Like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, yeah. I think I could make a lot of money. Um, I think there are some very basic things that. I need to figure out first, uh, like, uh, I'm, oh, I don't know if have we talked about the fact, so the ADHD is official, it's written down on paper, uh, and now I'm, like, starting all of these, like, processes for treating it and stuff, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, I want to figure that out while someone else is my boss, you know, while I'm not having to worry about doing my work and generating sales and answering a million emails and you know like yeah. i want to f- be focused on one thing while i'm figuring that out but i feel like once i figure that out i'm like relatively unencumbered you know yeah. at that point it's like okay now i feel confident that like if i did have to run my own business i wouldn't cave under the weight of it yep you know yeah and at that point i think i could I mean, the amount I think I could make comfortably is, let's say, 165. Yeah. I think 165 is a very achievable amount of money for someone sort of in the world who knows all the stuff that you and I know um, and is not a total non entity on Twitter. Yeah. You know, I think if you are going to go get clients charge, you know, mid-high rates or what you think of as mid-low rates <laughs> and I think of as mid-high rates. Um, You're just not on my level. Then man. I, yeah, well, level. that's true. That is true. Um, then I think 165 is very doable. But then you have to pay for your own health care. So who knows? Who knows what it works out to? Yeah. Yeah, boy. What do you want to make? But that's not as... I mean, what I want to make is like 500 grand a year. Gotcha. You know? <laughs> but um, I think what I what is likely is that I'll make between like 100 and 200 for the next decade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm shooting for the stars, but I'm also like... You know, if I was really after just a really high salary, I would just freelance hard right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you could be making boatloads of money right now if you wanted to. For sure. Yeah. But I like we've talked about. I would rather do this life than yeah. make money. But I am. Mm-hmm. I do have lots of moments, especially lately, where I'm like, oh man, to be rich again, to be mm. the the missing to piece to all this is day. my wife makes like more than enough for both of us um mm-hmm. so i could just deadbeat husband it and like not need to make money um, that'd be great but which is kind of interesting because when we got married i was i was the quote-unquote breadwinner not that we ever had you, like you won the bread like i just made a lot more than her um mm-hmm. and now the tables have turned um mm. because i just stopped making money but it's good for your relationship um it is yeah i yeah so the other missing piece for anybody listening who thinks that i don't know that what i'm doing is impossible i saved up a boatload of money before i quit yeah like i had like forty thousand in a checking account and i have like 200 something in a in investments like just from saving most of my money um so that's part of it it's like there's no real you know it's not like i was spending what i made then i quit and just relied on my wife's salary um so anyway, but we are getting to that point where like the money, like my money's running out, not the investment stuff, yeah. but 
but as far as like my just have like supporting us solely like all of yeah hannah's money just went into investments and other stuff like it wasn't used for living and now that it's becoming mm-hmm. that there's this i don't buy much at all sort of i don't know i'm in this place where basically what i'm trying to say is i often think like oh man if i just went back and got a job i'd be rich again like i could just like mm-hmm. spend money all the time and not think about it you know mm-hmm. like how nice would it be to have to actually consider dreams like i should buy a house oh i should buy an, a car like we share a car mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. but i'm like nope like we don't get to do any of that right now because i'm just enjoying my my live wire donation <laughs> to the world yeah. so anyway but um but i think i'm i'm going to give it until like in my head i'm going to give it until january like a full year and if i can't make like a decent living off live wire and independent stuff um mm-hmm. then i'll like become a freelancer or something hashtag contractor guy yep i'll be that contractor guy or whatever maybe start an agency or something like that i don't know yeah bring on the money so yeah um here's a challenge challenge to the listeners tell tell everyone how much money you make on twitter yeah it's the right it's the right thing to do it is it totally is i i don't tell people how much money i make because i'm comfortable telling people how much money i make like i'm very uncomfortable with how much money i make especially like when friends who i know make less money ask me how much money i make i get filled with guilt (laughs) before i tell them how much money i make but telling people how much money you make is the right thing to do yep everyone should know how much money everyone else makes agreed you you All taught people, me that lesson everywhere early on and this the secret keeping a secret of how much money you make is is a selfish piggy move and it's like don't do it rem, rem reminiscent of this of like old culture like um uh money like rude to talk about money type like humility yeah yeah weird stuff like that that i grew up with like my dad never talked mm-hmm. about money never told me how much he made no way um but the side effect of that is nobody knows how much anybody makes right and the reason the reason that the the sort of polite upper class people think it's rude to talk about how much money you make is because you make sixty thousand dollars a year and they make six hundred thousand dollars a year and they think it would be very rude if everyone knew that <laughs> yeah Rich Signing bastards. <laughs> um, good podcast. Good podcast. Good podcast, brother D. Cole. I think we accomplished our goal of yeah. wanting to talk about something that didn't put on put us to sleep. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. All right. Good stuff. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Cue the outro music now. Nothing? Oh, D. Cole stopped recording. So we don't get his dent.